On last week's episode, David Croft of OCL Logistics joined me to talk about how they are changing the game in forwarding. It's all down to customer experience and partnering with their customers to give them visibility in their supply chain. Please go and check that out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 86. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. And now a word from our sponsor. Like the products you manufacture, it is not unreasonable to expect the merchandise used to promote your brand to do so without posing risk to the recipients of the brand itself. Supply chain professionals can now play a leading role in protecting and growing their brand's reputation with the help of the Quality Certification Alliance. QCA is an independent, not-for-profit, 501c6 third-party accrediting and certification body dedicated to ensuring accountability throughout the promotional product industry supply chain. Visit qcalliance.org to learn more. Your brand is your organization's most valuable asset. Protect and grow it by aligning your values with QCA. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. So many things going on this week on letstalksupplychain.com. If you missed the blog the other week by Naomi Garnis, you're going to want to go and check that out. She talks about how supply chain can end world hunger. Yes, it can end world hunger. And she is telling us all about that over on the blog at letstalksupplychain.com. Plus on the SC Supply Chain TV over on YouTube, if you've missed any of the Supply Chain Minutes with Irina Roska, go and check those out. She's been talking about the new supply chain platform for with uh, that just came out with IBM. Um, she's also been talking about how inventory is crucial and how Bed Bath & Beyond has been closing, it's going to be closing some stores before Christmas and how that could have been avoided. So if you are looking for more information, more trends, also follow us on LinkedIn. Our LinkedIn page is getting a lot of engagement, a lot of comments, and is really creating a buzz in the community. So make sure that you go there and check out all of our latest articles and trends to keep you up to date in supply chain. So today I'm talking with a company that prides themselves in reverse logistics. This is something that costs all retailers, especially online retailers, a ton of money each year as consumers demands around returns increase. But before we do a deep dive into that topic, let's get to the question of the week. So this week's question is, what is your criteria for selecting vendors? Irina Roska, she says, I always focus on how a potential partner wants to understand the trajectory of our business and how they are able to al already align current and future improvement product projects with our goals. Anand, business references, proven technical capacity and skills to meet required needs, financial status, so much more. Demo, my friend out of Panama says, must understand my business goals and needs, must comply with my business rules and reg regulations, must be as flexible as the industry my business is playing. Again, I am just 
hitting the tip of the iceberg with some of these answers. If you want more, go to listener at letstalksupplychain.com. Shneha says, wow, that could be a long list, but understanding the business is crucial. Eric Valiquette, here I go with my favorite word again, and it's my favorite word too, Eric, collaboration, where both parties see value in the relationship and work together for a common goal. Naomi Garnis, references, references, and more references. Over on Instagram, Audrey Ross, my co-host on The Trade Squad, she says, a recommendation from a customer or someone I know gives them preference. Vendors who focus on service solutions and transparency and not only price. And also Jeffrey Solomon, he also weighed in over on Instagram. Relationship and past performance is his criteria for selecting vendors. So thank you so much for everybody who weighed in on this week's question for a full expansion on these conversations. And for past questions and answers, please visit Listener's Corner at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember to join in on the fun now every single Wednesday on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'm doing, I'm going live on LinkedIn every Wednesday with the question of the week. I'm taking your questions and um, also saying hi to everybody from around the world who is joining me on, at these live events. So back to today's episode, joining me is Rob of Inmar to talk about how they are changing the industry in reverse logistics, which is becoming a crucial and vital part to success in any retail business. So let's get to know a little bit more about Robert before we learn about what they are doing. So Rob is president of Global Operations and the Supply Chain Network at Inmar, the leading reverse logistics, analytics, and services company in North America. He holds an MBA and a BS in industrial engineering, and Rob has achieved significant supply chain optimization success which with major retailers and CPG manufacturers. He has earned a reputation for making significant supply chain operational improvements in helping businesses better understand supply chain data and major cost-saving optimization initiatives. Wow, that was a mouthful. He has also served as lead faculty area chair for the University of Phoenix School of Business, where he taught graduate level and undergraduate level courses. So welcome to the show, Rob. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. I first met Mike from your organization at the SCMA conference back in May, and he was talking about the Inmar story, and I I just love it. I mean, we're going to talk about something today that we don't generally talk about enough. I think that it's a huge part of supply chain, and I just loved Inmar's passion for the industry. So why don't we get started? Um, tell us who is Inmar and what is the story behind the company? Well, thanks for giving us a chance to tell our story. But you know, Inmar is a tech-enabled services company, and, and we specialize in handling hard-to-handle transactions between trading partners. and, and our specialty is taking that hard-to-handle transaction, performing that extremely well, and then throwing off some really rich data off that those services. And then we turn that data into things that allow our customers and clients to partner and engage with their customers and consumers and improve their business practices. 
we started as a coupon processing company and and that's where our, our roots were because trading partners uh, didn't necessarily know how to reconcile with each other and shortly after that and that was 40 years ago and shortly after that we got into reverse logistics because it's similar right somebody returns something with like credit for it and we help process that transaction and from there we we grew that's great and it sounds like <clears throat> you you have a typical supply chain story because a lot of people fall into supply chain and it looks like Inmar kind of did the same. You started off in coupons and now you've gone into supply chain because you're seeing some similarities with which with what you were doing on the coupon side to bring that into supply chain. And, you know, that's a big topic on its own because a lot of people are talking about it right now that the industry needs to be open-minded to taking a look at other industries for solutions to some of our most biggest challenges, don't you think? It's, it is. It's all about solving the next problem for your clients. And the technology or business processes or expertise apply across different channels and different markets. As you said, you know, we took uh, some transaction processing for coupons and turned that in, you know, 40 years ago, turned that into returns. And we've uh, obviously changed significantly from there. But yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And as I said in the beginning, you know, we're talking about a subject today that is with the boom of e-commerce is one of the biggest, hottest topics in supply chain today, which is reverse logistics. But I find that we're not talking about it enough. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? What exactly do you do in reverse logistics? So in reverse logistics, we handle a couple different streams of commerce. First of all, as you mentioned, e-commerce, and, and that is booming. And I'm sure we'll talk much more about that. But we also handle wholesale or you know, call it brick and mortar returns. And, and, and few know it, but we also handle, we're the largest handler of pharmaceutical returns as well. And again, the same logistics and same supply chain practices and, and much of the same technology apply across all of those. Absolutely. Pharmaceutical returns. That's one that is new to me. I actually haven't heard, I haven't heard anything about that um, at all ever. And I didn't even think that was a thing. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What are some of the top three challenges retailers are facing when it comes to returns? What do you think that is? You know, especially in the e-commerce world, the, the first one is driving out friction from the process. So to improve the client experience, because when you're dry, when you're in an e-commerce transaction or an omni-channel transaction, it, you're touching the consumer directly. Where if you go back 30 years ago, you know, a return was generally with somebody in a brick and mortar store. And the process we did was behind the scenes from that and was less critical to, you know, to improve that, uh, that, that interaction with the consumer. But now we, we need to find ways to drive friction out of that process for the consumer. So that's one. Uh, second is getting clear visibility to returns, uh, both the amount or all the amount, the causes and the trends, uh, because you, you can't manage what you can't measure. Firm believer in that. And especially as you are, if I'm a, if I'm an e-tailer or across many different channels, Getting visibility of returns occurring across my many different channels can be very difficult. And then finally is reducing costs. And that likely means, you know, what can you do to reduce returns? But in some, you know, there are some 
some industries out there or some product lines that you actually want product returns on. But but for the most part, you know, you're looking to reduce costs, whether it's transportation or, or the returns themselves. Yeah, and you brought up a really great point. And I think that key word there is trends, right? With all the technology that we have out there, and I'm sure that, you know, Imar has available to their customers, we need to start taking a look at trends for, especially on the reverse logistics side. And I'm going to say that one of the biggest reasons for that is obviously inventory control. And now we're talking a lot about sustainability and reducing waste and trends are going to have a lot to do with that, that data that really shows, you know, what products are the most returned? Why are they the most returned? You know, let's either get it fixed or take it off the shelves and reduce the capital spend on inventory and reduce the amount of finished product that we're bringing in that's wasteful. Absolutely. And to add to that, what you might see as well, especially with seasonal products or in fashion is a, is a great example. Those products, even though they're not perishable, have a shelf life. And so getting those back into the stream of commerce as quick as possible will help you reduce your inventory spend and waste. Because ultimately, if you don't get it back into the stream of commerce, you miss that window and it does become a waste or at least a, re- a reduced value. Absolutely. So we just spoke about one of the, I guess, maybe one of the top reasons why people should gain control over their returns. Do you have any other um, examples or reasons why they need to take control over it? And I'm sure cost is a big factor in that. Yeah, correct. And and I just to qualify a little bit more on the cost, I, I think one of the reasons why I think folks have to focus on it, because often it's seen as a hidden or even a cost to play or uh, the ante to be in the game. But in reality, you can really drive a lot of improvements and control over those costs. So that's one thing I want to make sure your listeners understand, because we've seen great gains with uh, our clients in that front. The second point, and it may may seem obvious to most, but it uh, is definitely driving the trend in the industry. As product shifts to more of an online, even if you're a brick and mortar and some of your volume is shifting to online, your return rates are typically, we see return rates that are averaging five times what you'd see in the store. So if, if you have your, your e-commerce uh, percentage of your sales is going from two to 20 and on those returns is going from one to five X, you can understand that your requirement for cost and infrastructure and technology to handle those returns are going up exponentially as well. And then, and then the last point I'll make and is that it's just critical for the consumer experience. You know, we've done a number of studies and you know, those studies show us that you know, 72% of those surveyed uh, state that the returns process will influence their future purchase. And then even 92% say if, if they have a great experience, they are likely to shop again. So the returns experience is actually driving additional, uh, additional volume through your network. I would absolutely agree with that. I just went to a local um, conference all about e-commerce and you're completely right. You know, a lot of the stats on my end that Canada Post has on their website about returns and about um, people returning to your website to buy, um, people are now even looking for a return policy at checkout. Absolutely. They want to 
know that when they buy that product, you know, what are they going to have to go through to get their product returned and even reimbursed? And so, you know, it's really, I mean, <clears throat> we're talking about it today. And one of the reasons why I loved the fact that you and I are doing this episode today is that it is so critical, you know, not even it's, it's not even just a part of the process anymore. It's really a part of that buying experience for the customer and their expectations and what they're expecting from you from a return perspective. Um, and then the other thing that I'm going to point out, so you also spoke about overhead. So the more data and the more information that you have about your returns is also going to have an impact on your overhead as well and how much warehouse space that you're going to need. And right now you could be, um, you could have a lot more warehouse space than you actually need, which again goes into costs and saving on the bottom line. And then the other point that you made was with omnichannel, right? So, um, Companies or retailers have bricks and mortar stores. They also have their online stores. And customers now from that conference as well, I was hearing that they're looking for options. So not only do they want to know what the return process is going to look like upon checkout, they want to know that they have options. So either they send it back in or there's a bricks and mortar store that they can actually return to. And I'm sure from a retailer's perspective, that just makes the logistics part of that even more complex and complicated. Absolutely. But you know, if you're a brick and mortar retailer, I mean, you would love to incent or drive folks into the store, you know, to, to purchase again. And again, I think that gets back to the, the experience that you can have with the e-commerce or omni-channel returns. There's opportunities to interact with the consumer during that return to, to guide them to additional purchases or incent them with additional promotions. And I think that's what's really exciting about this is this is all supply chain and logistics, but we're actually driving consumer behavior, which is which is a lot of fun. Absolutely. I would absolutely agree. So um, you spoke earlier about consumer returns, and then you also spoke about the fact that you guys also do wholesale returns. Can you explain to us the difference and why consumer returns are so much easier than the wholesale re returns? Well, I'm not sure that I would use the term easier, uh, but I would say that connecting to e-commerce platforms can be significantly easier than connecting to, you know, historically wholesale returns. You're connecting into general ledger systems and, and uh, large accounting systems, and that can be very tedious and hard to integrate. Uh, but once you're integrated, it, it works very well. On e-commerce, because, you know, uh, technology from uh, shopping cart systems and those kind of things are API driven. It, it does tend to be a little bit easier to connect. But when you receive a consumer return to actually process it and collect the data, it, it is harder uh, because you, you typically have to unpackage something. You have to, uh, you want to collect many data points about that particular package, both on the outside and the inside. And, and then what you have to do to get those goods back into stock uh, becomes critical. So consumer returns have different key success factors versus wholesale returns. So for example, consumer returns, speed to credit is critical. And then percent return to stock is critical. 
So from a technology and a process standpoint, you're focused on how quickly can I give that consumer credit and how quickly can I get a, a valuable good back into the stream of commerce. Where wholesale returns, you know, critical, you're handling typically pallets of goods, not a single parcel. And it's less than, you're not impacting consumer credit, but you're impacting store credit. Uh, and you're also, you know, likely at that point, if a store, brick and mortar store is sending it back, they're saying it hasn't sold that primary retail. So the the necessity to put it back into stock quickly is slightly diminished versus consumer returns. So those are the differences I see between consumer and wholesale returns. Yeah, absolutely. And especially that credit to consumer, right? Because that's another piece of the customer experience that's going to affect whether they come back and buy from you. So it's all interconnected. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to really um, understand that, right? Because traditionally, our industry has been siloed, and I talk about this all the time, you know, department against department and uh, supply chain kind of on its own. Now it's being brought up to the C-suite level. It's getting, you know, uh, seats in the boardroom, um, which really gets me excited because I'm so glad that supply chain is really now starting to take that front and center. But as we have these conversations and we're talking about the different components of supply chain, because supply chain is huge, right? You know, sourcing to last mile. Right. And and returns, right? Yep. Last mile and returned back. And um you know, it's as, like I said, as we have these conversations, it just shows how connected each part of the supply chain is to different parts of the business, whether it's marketing, whether it's customer service, whether it's sales, whether it's customer experience. And we're now realizing that all of those components are tied to whether a customer comes back and buys from you. Agreed which is huge, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> an aha moment. I'm going to take a page from Oprah and say an <laughs> aha for most people. <laughs> so um, I think we need to paint the picture of returns. And so I want you to give me a couple of examples. One of, one of the examples is traditionally what are retailers doing right now um, which is not necessarily the wrong way, but maybe the long way. Um, and then paint me a picture of what they could be doing to take advantage of their returns and making sure that consumers are coming back to buy from them. Sure. Uh, you know, so from an e-commerce perspective, what we see a lot of retailers doing right now is and I'll start, I'll start with those that are omni-channel. So brick and mortar and they're selling online. If you're selling, typically what we see is if you're selling in both channels, you're, you're also selling endless aisles, they call it, where you, you, you know, you might have 40,000 uh, SKUs in the store, but you may have 200,000 online. And that becomes a tremendous struggle when folks want that option, as you called earlier, to say, well, I'm returning this item. They don't even sell it in the store. So when you return it to the store, the store really doesn't know what to do with it, and both from a technology standpoint and even just, you know, what, what do I do with this item? I've never seen it before. And then, uh, so you have to decide, am I going to drive folks you know, away from returning it to the store, or do, I, or do I leverage other ways to, to get them to bring that product back? 
But once you bring that product back, what we see is it's going back to a, a forward distribution center trying to get handled um, typically in one, uh, maybe two locations across the United States. Transportation is high. Uh, so if you're if you're just, you know, if you're distributing out of a New Jersey warehouse and you're, you have a, a, a return coming back from Los Angeles from an e-commerce perspective, obviously that gets very expensive. Um, so what, what we see best in class folks doing and, and what we work with our clients to do, uh, is a couple of things. One is to leverage technology so that you can return an item in any location. So whether you can return it in the store, you could return it online and you're going to get a great experience because the technology understands what that product needs to do and where it needs to go. And if you're going to return it online and you're going to ship it back, leverage, leverage a network of, of facilities instead of a single point, because it, it makes no sense to ship that product back from LA to New Jersey just to evaluate it. And maybe it's not even going to go back into stock. And that becomes true waste. And, and obviously it goes strongly against any sustainability efforts you have as well. Absolutely. And that, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people about micro warehousing, um, you know, keeping smaller amounts of inventory uh, closer to your busiest consumers, I guess, you know, the most yes. the consumers that are, are purchasing the most. And so I think I just had an aha moment because it's not only the fact of being able to service the consumer from a delivery standpoint, it's also a, a better way to service the consumer from a reverse logistics standpoint and from a return standpoint, because if the DC is closer and like you said, it can be examined, the product can be ex examined and um, made a decision right then and there, whether it's going to go back into inventory or maybe even discontinued, right? Because if you've got a lot of them at these different warehouses across the country, um, you can actually make decisions a lot quicker. And so not only are you reducing the waste in sustainability, you're also reducing the waste in cost, like you said, from sending it, you know, across country, time and cost and time always costs money. So um, you're saving a lot on the bottom line as well. Yes, it's it's what we call you, you. You everybody always talks about the the last mile or the final mile of delivery, but we call it the first mile of returns is the critical one, right? How do you how do you drive out cost of that first mile of returns and but also give the customer experience and the uh, and, and grab the data that you need uh, to drive your business at the same time. I really like that term, first mile returns. I've never really heard that before. And uh, so I think we're going to own that. Maybe we need to trademark it. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so let's get into ROI. I'm sure you probably can't mention any company names, but can you give us an idea of the potential ROI that companies are overlooking by not focusing on the inefficiencies in their return process? Sure. I, I'll start with one uh, that, that's an, a large omni-channel uh, club store uh, in the United States. And you're right, I, I can't share names without their permission. But, you know, they, they reached a point where they were going to have to invest significant money into technology to change how they handle returns. And they sought uh, out 
different options and they chose us as, as the partner to move forward with. So, you know, one, they dramatically reduced their technology spend and resources. And I don't know a single company out there that says they have plenty of bandwidth from a, a technology a development perspective. And, and so they, they saved on that because, you know, we were able to provide, you know, world-class technology that they needed to drive their business. But, you know, we just met with them just a few weeks ago and they're now post year two of using our software uh, to, to drive their returns process and their network. And I will tell you, it's tens of millions of dollars that they are saying that they are saving by changing how they bring things back, how they evaluate them, leveraging the technology to optimize uh, the disposition of those goods as well. So it's, it's a great story for, for them. Um, I'll give you another quick story is, you know, we have a very large apparel retailer that leverages our technology as well. But uh, similarly to, I think, an earlier comment you had, you know, they were, they're focused on growth and fulfillment uh, growth because that's booming and, and they weren't paying attention to returns and they didn't have space for returns. They didn't want to spend resources on returns and it's, Returns are hard, right? I mean, it's a very unique process. And so they, they sought out a solution and, and, and that's, that's what we wake up every day to do, uh, is, is to handle returns. And so they're leveraging our network, uh, of resources, our network of technology, uh, that allowed them to free up additional capacity in theirs. But they've also said that they get visibility to data that they've never seen before, and it's helping them make better decisions on buying and 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 how their network works. Absolutely, and it just makes sense. You know, when I was when I was mentioning that supply chain is a huge thing to unpack, right? There's lots of different components, and sometimes you can get lost in the supply chain and, and forget what your business is really all about. And that's why it's so important to rely on companies like Inmar, um, who have made this their passion and made this their focus to really say, hey, you know, need some help on this side. Um, really need your expertise to be able to outsource to you to help us manage this part of our business because you just can't do it all yourself. And that's why, you know, I talk a lot about collaboration and how it's the future of business. So I want to ask you, there's a, there's, um, are you the only ones doing this? Are there other competitors out there and what kind of sets you apart from them? There, there are a, a few competitors out there, but it, they tend to be in very niche areas. And so, for example, you know, one of the things that I think sets us apart is we're we are carrier agnostic. You know, whether it's uh, Canada Post, the U.S. Postal Service, UPS. FedEx, you know, from our perspective, we 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 want you to optimize your spend uh, on transportation, and who, whomever you want to use as your carrier, or if you want to use multiple carriers, is absolutely fine with us. So there are a number of those carriers offer reverse logistics services as part of their suite, but they also require to use your their. their particular parcel service. So that you'll see that out there and, and as a service offering, but it does restrict your ability to, to work with on your transportation spend. I think also, you know, again, using those folks as, as a good example, our focus when we spend money and we spend you know, millions of dollars a year on technology, we're spending it on reverse logistics. And um, as you might guess, other folks probably don't have that same focus. And and really, we find the technology drives 
our ability to serve our clients or their ability to serve themselves with our software. And then lastly, you know, we, we have uh, 25, um, well, actually it's closer to 30 now, uh, warehouses in the U.S. and Canada that, that we allow our clients to leverage to reduce their transportation spend. And, and that network of facilities tends to set us apart. Well, um, some of the, obviously some of the big carriers have many more facilities than that. They, they only will handle, uh, a particular client's returns in one of those facilities. And we, we love to spread our returns out to reduce, uh, spend. And, and we're, you know, and our technology is so flexible that we, we can handle returns in some of our facilities and some of our clients' facilities. It's all web-based software. That's great. And you hit on some really big points there, right? Because data is everything these days. And how are you going to manage that uh, well without the data and the technology? And the fact that you guys are focusing on return logistics and you don't really have any other focus, um, I think makes a huge difference because you're able to anticipate the challenges that the customers are having before your competitors, which is definitely going to set you apart from the rest. So now let's talk about the future of the company. I'm sure you guys are working on some really exciting things. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so specifically in the reverse logistics area, we have some uh, exciting things, as as you mentioned, when we talk about how do we continue to reduce touches out of the, out of the network, and when I say the network, it's the complete value chain uh, for our clients and ourselves. And so, how do we get those products back into the consumer's hands? Not even necessarily back into our our clients' inventory, but can we get it directly from us? back to their consumers' hands. So we're working on a number of, of features and capabilities there that will continue to drive waste and improve con- consumer experience by getting, as you've mentioned, inventory closer to the consumer. The other piece, and you know, we, we didn't talk about, Inmar yeah, is a, a large company, Reverse Logistics is a piece of it. Um, we have a number of analytics and engagement products that that focus on shopper analytics and social influencing and how to connect and um, talk to your customer. And so being able to connect some of those services with our reverse logistics services to enhance the consumer experience uh, is another area where we see tremendous opportunities and where we as Inmar would have a competitive advantage, obviously, because a lot of other companies uh, don't have the, the great fortune to have those great services. Absolutely. And I'm excited to see where you go next. And I'm going to be sure to watch out for what you guys have planned. So if you are not concentrating on reverse logistics and thinking that it's a huge part of your customer experience strategy, you might want to think again. And I think that Rob and I have been able to give you a lot of information so that you can take that back and look, start looking at your reverse logistics as, as a part of your customer experience plan. For more information about Rob, Inmar, and this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash eight episode 87. And you can also visit them at inmar.com. That's I-N- mar.com. Thank you to the team at Inmar for helping to make this happen and to Rob for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts and insights today. Thank you for the time. I love to talk about people that are passionate about the industry and specifically reverse logistics. Thank you very much. 
This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you like this episode, there are so many more great ones in season one and season two, but you will find season one only where you listen to podcasts. And if you're looking for other episodes in season two, go to letstalksupplychain.com. Plus, remember to go to the SC Supply Chain TV for our latest in video content over on YouTube. Next week is the beginning of yet another month and we are beginning November with a bang. I am talking to Nicole Vernkant, CEO of OMX, about her journey to success. And it's a good one. We unpack how she has faced investors in a male-dominated industry, not only in technology, not only in supply chain, but also in mining and other sectors. So you're not gonna wanna miss that one and make sure to check it out next week. So if you'd like to support the show, there's a couple of ways to do that. Follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, subscribe to the newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com, subscribe to us on YouTube at the SC Supply Chain TV, and also subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss out on any of the great content. Plus, go to ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com, visit and sign up. And if we're not already in full beta by the time that this airs, we are going to be soon. So if you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. Next, go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com. If you are looking for you know, the best gift that you could give your supply chain teams. You might want to check out some of the accessories and t-shirts, hoodies that I've got going on at letstalksupplychain.com. Um, there's some there's some funny ones, you know, never underestimate somebody who, who majored in supply chain management. That's over on a coffee mug. And I know that there was a lot of people on LinkedIn that wanted to purchase that once we uh, aired that one as well. So go and check that out as well as the supply chain dictionary next rate and review the show if you review the show i will feature you on an upcoming episode plus i just want to hear from you what do you think of the show what can i do better what am i doing great and uh, so go and rate and review the show thank you so much for all your love and support and remember everybody ship happens